Well, hi everyone, whether you're watching at home or on demand or in person, so good to be with you. You've probably heard the phrase, the new normal. And that phrase is trying to capture what ordinary life after the pandemic will look like. It marks this new season of life after this once in a lifetime event. And it captures this shift from what has been to what will be. And my feeling is that presents all of us with an opportunity. We get to ask afresh, what does God want our lives to look like in the new normal? And to address that, we need to know our starting point. So I wonder, like, how have you handled the pandemic? Like someone has described how um, people have responded to the various demands and impact of the last 18 months or so with some categories. And I wonder which one applies to you. It might be that you're burnt out. So after a year of loss and disruption and change and challenge, just not got much left in the tank. Perhaps you're a parent that's still recovering from homeschooling. Perhaps your work has pushed you to exhaustion or you feel the loss of normal life and control and relationships really deeply. And you feel just this lack of energy or capacity for anything but the basics. So when you think about your faith or church life, you're basically telling yourself, I've got no capacity left. Uh, or it's simply not high on the list of my agenda because I just want to survive. And so things like regular time with God might be sort of waning. You found it hard to connect online or whatever it looks like right now, you feel burnt out. If you're not burnt out, perhaps you feel bored. So after a year of the same old, same old online work, online relationships, online church, you're just left feeling ugh. You know, you're bored, you're lacking energy, perhaps you've um, lost your drive and motivation, you've not got much left in the tank, you've perhaps picked up some helpful, unhelpful habits or forgotten helpful ones, or you've ended up in a bit of a slump. Maybe lockdown has made you feel less useful or involved as so many events, especially around church, have been mothballed. And with church and faith, perhaps you've accidentally fallen into consumerism and spectatorism. So while it's been convenient and accessible, perhaps online church for you has pushed you accidentally towards just watching. Perhaps work may have been online. So the last thing you want to do on a Sunday is connect to your, to your uh, to mission group or to church or to the ch after church chats. You know, perhaps that's resulted in you feeling increasingly alienated or disconnected. So you want to join in even less. Perhaps for many of you, you've just sort of got into the habit of watching the kids service, which has been fantastic with your family. But that's it. Or that just feels like success. You know, whatever it is, emotionally, you're just flat or you're struggling to engage. And so you're bored. And perhaps if you're not burnt out or bored, perhaps you actually feel blessed. And this is the slightly bashful group who have actually done quite well during lockdown. Uh, but because so many people have struggled, you've not really wanted to tell anyone. You know, I spoke with someone recently who'd really enjoyed their new pace of life, more time with friends and with uh, their spouse. Working from home has reduced the commute. They've pursued hobbies or spent more time with God. And so they actually feel really positive about the future. They're up for new things. They're looking forward to engaging when church sort of really gets going in person again. Or it may be that you just feel a bit of everything. So you wouldn't say you, you, you belong in any of those camps, but depending on the hour or day, you can sway into burnout or into boredom or into blessing. You might feel that you're fine, then you just hit a wall and suddenly you lack any sort of motivation. And spiritually, you've made some good choices and you've got some good habits, but you also feel depleted at time and have some really bad habits. Um, you've struggled with church services, um, but you haven't thrown in the towel. And for those that feel a little bit of everything, 
it might be with greater control of your time, you've actually got some really good habits going, like time with God and new hobbies and a slow pace of life. But it might be that you have retreated a bit or you've spent too long on various screens or you've not been on the front foot evangelistically. You know, why not take a moment to work out how you're doing? Obviously, I can't clearly capture everyone in the room, but take a moment to connect with how you're doing. Like, don't pretend. How are you really? And if you're not a Christian, how has lockdown affected you? How's it impacted you? Has it caused you to ask any questions about faith in God? And uh, could faith make a difference in your life right now? So take a think. Are you burnt out, bored, blessed or a bit of everything? And if you're feeling brave, why just turn to the person next to you if there's someone with you and why don't you just sort of let them know? Great. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, we've been given a new purpose, a new calling, a new identity. This one life on earth is to be lived for God. And so the new normal for Christians has got to be about loving God, loving others and changing the world. And so this preaching series is hopefully going to help us as a church family recover to bridge the gap between our reality, whether we're burnt out, bored, blessed or a bit of everything post pandemic to the normal Christian life that we're invited into. It's going to focus less on doing more. Um, and much more intentionally focused on being empowered by the Spirit. Because it's only when we're filled with the Holy Spirit can we truly love God and others. And the church in Galatia that the Apostle Paul is writing to also struggled to understand the difference between doing lots and receiving more of the Spirit. And we find what the Apostle Paul said to them in Galatians 5 verses 13 to 21. This is what he says. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality and impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So notice Christians are called to be free. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. So it's a freedom that we have from selfishness and also looking to replace God with other things, which Paul categorizes as the flesh, in order to love and serve others. In other words, in other words, we are called in our freedom to desire and seek the happiness of others with the same passion that we seek our own. And If you've tried to do that for very long, you'll know that it's impossible. If we try to love others without relying on God's spirit, we always end up running out of steam or twisting things to meet our own needs or serving our own purposes. Instead, Paul says the answer is learning to, verse 16, walk by the spirit. So what does it mean to walk by the spirit? Well, firstly, verse 18 sheds some light on it. Paul says, verse 18, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. 
Notice he doesn't say, but if you follow the spirit, he's emphasising our lack of power and our reliance on the spirit leading us. If you like, walking in the spirit isn't like a cycling peloton where you've got the Holy Spirit out front and he's making it easier for the rest of us, the chasing pack, to pedal. I'm told that it's 30% easier to pedal when you're behind the, the lead cyclist. However, this gives the impression that we have the, some power of our own to follow and keep up with the spirit who's out front. And the spirit just simply makes pedaling easier. That's sort of the wrong picture. Walking in the spirit is much more like a train engine with some carriages. So the Holy Spirit is the engine and we're the carriages. On our own, we have no power. We cannot move unless we hitch or couple ourselves to the engine. And it's the engine that pulls us along. So to to walk in the spirit is to couple yourself by faith to his power. And that's the thing that enables you to love others as you love yourself. If you're not attached, then just on your own, you may have built up some momentum. But as soon as you detach, you just stand still or worse, you go backwards. So firstly, walking in the spirit is being led by his power. But secondly, walking in the spirit and remember what Paul says is the goal of being strength, uh, the goal of being filled with the spirit and walking with the spirit is is being strengthened to love others. And the second thing that walking in the spirit does is it results in the fruit of the spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So walking in the spirit produces something that is needed to love God and to love others and to live in community. And that image of fruit is especially interesting here in our age of instant and speedy and quick results. Because fruit, as you know, is organic. Fruit is produced over time in such tiny increments that you can't see the change on a daily basis. You don't produce fruit in a microwave. You can't click a button and then it appears later that day on your doorstep. But you grow fruit probably in a field and even better, God grows it for you. And so it doesn't pop out in a moment. Fruit grows slowly, slowly, day by day. And so walking in the spirit requires time. It requires us to commit to long term obedience, soaking in the spirit, being unrushed. It's like trickle charge empowering. And that's why a chapter later in Galatians 6, Paul says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit, the spirit will reap eternal life. And then interesting, he says this in verse nine. He says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. He's saying there that it will take time to reap that harvest for the fruit to be produced. So let's not become weary while we wait. So to answer that question, what it is to walk in the spirit, it's number one, it's being led by the spirit. Remember, the spirit is the engine, we're just the carriage and it's bearing the fruit of the spirit. And notice it's not that we let go and let God. I I really don't like that phrase when I hear people say it. We must do our part, which is simply attaching ourselves to the engine by faith. We put our trust in the Holy Spirit to fill us. We need to be coupled to the engine. 
And there are some things we can actually do to attach to the flow of God's power. But before we go there, there's just one more reason uh, to walk in the spirit. And this is where we want to tie into the new normal and emerging from lockdown. See, the reason we should walk by the spirit is that when we do, the desires of the flesh are overcome. That's what verse 16 says. I say to you, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, the flesh is our coping mechanisms for life apart from God. The flesh describes the bit of us that looks to everyone and everything apart from God to fill our emptiness. As Romans 8 verse 7, again, the Apostle Paul, he says, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. So the basic mark of the flesh is that it's unsubmissive. It's the bit of us that doesn't want to submit to God and run to God and rely on God for his mercy and power and his grace. So when you read flesh, it's an operating system seeking to live apart from God's power. What does it lead to? Well, verse 19, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So a couple of comments about that list, because on first reading, you can see that and just think, mm, that's probably not me. Notice that eight out of the 15 acts of the flesh are about how we treat each other. So if we do not hitch ourselves to the Holy Spirit in the long run, we become self-serving, unloving people. And it's impossible in a church family to create that sense of sense of acceptance and forgiveness and repentance that always needs to happen to keep us um, sinful people drawing together. I know for me, if God has been squeezed out in my life, then my flesh takes over. It's just sort of lying there dormant and awakens in a moment. And I suddenly become touchy or fragile or critical. You know, if you're someone, it's fascinating this, if you're someone who is quite relaxed about social distancing rules, it's very easy to sort of have your operating systems in the flesh and you judge people quite quickly of those that are quite rule abiding. You can immediately think, oh, they're an uptight person or they're quite legalistic or they're not very caring for those that are sort of on the margins or in need because they're just so strict with the rules and if you're someone who's very strict with the rules it's easy to think that relaxed people are just uncaring and unwise and thoughtless and you know yes of course we've got to be wise and careful and thoughtful but the acts of the flesh lead to that sense of backbiting and judgment and envy and creating negative factions. And I believe if, if we've not attached ourselves to the spirit, lockdown has maybe magnified some of those things. So let me ask you, how are you doing? Can you recognise any of the flesh at work in your lives where you go to stuff that isn't from God or isn't God? And have you noticed how it sort of affects the way that you you know you treat others and think about others and judge us judge others see if lockdown has led you away from God the chances are that you're more likely to indulge in the acts of the flesh which destroy relationships and servant-hearted love secondly just I want to underline that word idolatry in the list in verse 20 verse 20 starts with it idolatry an idol was anything we look to instead of God 
So let me just illustrate what I mean. Way back in the summer of 1995, now some of you weren't even born at this stage, but in the summer of 1995, my wife Philippa spent an afternoon burning photos of me in her back garden. We were dating and we'd actually just split up and she was wanting to make sure that she got rid of all the attachments to me. Her reasoning was A, I don't want to keep photos of us together when it's likely Matt will go out or marry someone else. B, I want to solely focus on my relationship with Jesus and I don't want any distractions like photos causing me to desire a relationship with Matt over Jesus. And C, we're never going to go out again so there's no need to keep them. And while she was wrong on points A and C, I love her ruthless example of killing a potential idol, which wasn't me, it was our relationship, and putting Jesus first. The truth is that if the gospel or God doesn't take your breath away, something else will. And the things we worship or look to satisfy us instead of God are called idols. And you won't find these idols around your home, rather they are lurking and being fed inside your heart. And so it's not surprising then that in verse 17, Paul tells us there is a war between our flesh and God's spirit. We all experience that battle. And a Christian is a person who is at war with those desires by the power of the spirit. But when you look at those verses, the main point is not war, but victory for the spirit. Verse 16 says that when you walk by the spirit, you will not let those bad desires come to maturity. When you walk by the spirit, you'll knit the desires of the flesh in the bud. You'll root out those idols. So again, let me ask you in lockdown, have you created and fed some idols? Have you failed to walk in the spirit and knit those things in the bud? Have you discovered that there's stuff that you go to aside from God that is doing the work that the Holy Spirit needs to be doing in your heart? You know, we discover what our idols are by asking what gives our life meaning, what gives our life worth and value apart from God. When we look at what we turn to in times of stress or boredom and anxiety. You know, I think lockdown has uncoupled us from the Holy Spirit and therefore our resistance to the flesh has been weakened. Remember, we are the carriage lacking power. And so have you sort of almost hitched yourself to other things? to things of the flesh in order to bring you comfort or whatever you need. You need to know it's a dead end. You will increasingly lack power to change. So to finish, how do we walk in the spirit? Well, when you become a Christian, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He is the one who reveals God's love to you. And if you're not a Christian listening to this and you want a, a life that is marked by love, what we believe as Christians is the only way that you'll have that life of love, receiving love and giving love, is through trusting in Jesus. And when you do, his spirit fills us. But what the Bible tells us is that we've got to keep on being filled with his Holy Spirit. We must stay attached to the engine. And this is the only work that we do. So we don't do nothing and we don't do everything but by faith, we attach the, our carriage to the engine. We position ourselves to receive more. We create an ecosystem that the Holy Spirit loves to abide in. 
So just to get your head around that idea, what I mean is when Pip and I first had kids, we spent time redesigning our house to create an environment that kids could thrive in. So we had to remove everything that was within reach. We had to put a guard around the fire. We had to put latches on all the kitchen cupboards. We cleared up everything that was small and that could easily be swallowed. And we put obviously toys around the house and stuff that they could play with. We created an ecosystem for our kids to thrive. It's the same on my day off. Often my day off, uh, Pip's working. So I spend a big part of it cleaning and tidying and cooking. Uh, you know, obviously I take the odd power nap and love to relax a bit as well. Uh, but why do I work hard in my day off? Well, I'm trying to create an environment for Pip to thrive in. I want her to relax on her day off. I want her to focus on recovery from a busy week and have energy for God and for friends and for family. And so walking by the Spirit is creating an environment or an ecosystem that the Holy Spirit loves to abide in. It's doing stuff that helps you connect again with him. And I'm sure you know what to do. Things like slowing down, turning your screens off, putting your phone away, prioritising unhurried time with God every day. Worshipping, what you know, whether it's getting out into nature or putting on your favourite music or reading something, getting creative, worshipping God. You know, part of it is just confessing your sin or realising that there's been stuff that you've done in the flesh and you've you've not nipped it in the bud, but you've gone with it and you need to repent and turn from it. You know, for me personally, reading and memorising God's word is a way that through the day I can just hitch myself to God and then inviting the spirit to fill you and abide in you. Why don't you just take a moment to think about what your next steps could be? If you're to be someone that enters the new normal with God, with power to live for him, like what could you do? What's your simple act of faith? Why don't you just have a think about it now? So listen, this preaching series is hopefully going to help bridge the gap between our reality, whether we're burnt out, bored or blessed or a bit of everything post pandemic and the normal Christian life that we're invited into. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hear how we hear and obey what the Holy Spirit is saying. We're going to talk about developing rhythms to connect ourselves with God. We're going to learn how we cultivate intimacy with the Holy Spirit. But this week I've asked you, will you walk in the spirit. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, for everyone listening, God, would we be a people that walk in the spirit. Pray that we would attach ourselves to you and that we would be patient as you produce fruit in our lives that help us love you and love others as you've called us to do. As we gather at home or in services, God, would you fill us fresh with your Holy Spirit and I pray for anyone listening that doesn't know what it is to be filled with the Holy Spirit to know Jesus personally that they would say to you Jesus I trust you and I open my life to you to be filled with your love so Holy Spirit we welcome you and we ask that you'd help us to walk with you in Jesus name we pray amen